Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn. Welcome to the Roger Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen, where we take a rest from League One action and take a weekend out of the schedule to begin our FA Cup campaign, which I'm still getting used to uh, getting underway in November, uh, rather than the first weekend of January, to be fair, which um, I grew up with. But the last few years I've had to get used to starting it a little bit early. Uh, But Mansfield Town seemed to be the side uh, to help us get our head around it as we face them in the first round for a second successive season. So to help us bring us up to speed with all the latest at Field Mill, we're very pleased to have the company of Mansfield Town reporter for BBC Nottingham, Jake Garner. Hello, Jake. Uh, Hi, Chris. How's it going? You okay? Yeah, not too bad. Like I was saying before we were recording, I'm I'm thawing out after the the kids' uh, football training in in the rain, which was uh, all good fun. But uh, how are you keeping? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, really good. Uh, Just excited to be coming up to the Stadium of Light for the second time in the space of 12 months, which is, uh, I never thought that would happen. I thought it was going to be one of those once in a journalism career opportunity to go to a stadium of that calibre. And yeah, very excited to go back uh, with fans as well, which is going to be great. Yeah, well, I'm going to, I want to pick your brains about that. But it's amazing, isn't it? All the, the amount of teams in the pot and we pull out exactly the same tie as last year for exactly the same round. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? It's it's one of those weird football coincidences. I remember we, were, we uh, me and me and my girlfriend were sat here watching the draw. I think we were, um, uh, I can't remember which ball, what which ball we were. I thought we were twenty five, and we we saw Sunderland come out, and we thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if it was Mansfield again? And then <laughs> lo and behold, that the footballing gods said, go on, you can have another go up there now, as soon as you. You missed out last time on uh, not having the fans in, so it's it's great for them, and yeah, it's uh, again, it's a great place to go. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I, I was I was a bit kind of geeky and trying to look up, and actually there was a couple of times Sunderland drew people in the third round, mm. but it was like over a over a couple of seasons, and you know we had Carlisle a couple of times in the cup and straight seasons, but uh, but very weird to pull out the same uh, team at exactly the same stage. Um, I mean, just a bit about uh, you, Jake, before we get into it. Um, I mean couple of questions i mean are you a mansfield town fan or just have the privilege on reporting on them and and how long have you been covering uh, mansfield uh so I, I just have the the privilege of reporting on them really uh through the highs and the lows um i started out covering um nottingham forest for hospital radio and then through there i met uh the likes of uh, colin Frey and david jackson who um who brought me into radio nottingham to work behind the scenes and then uh, we had a bit of a, a changing of the guard um, back in 2017 when uh, the great Colin Slater decided to to call it a day covering Notts County after uh, nearly 50 years and 
there was a, an opportunity for our Mansfield reporter to move up to Knox County and then obviously that left an opening at Mansfield and yeah, thankfully they, they, they let me have a go at it and I've been doing it for ever since really, which is, uh, which is great. I didn't think I'd make it this far, uh, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's always a privilege and I still get the same buzz on a match day like I did from, from day one really. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's great fun to do. Um, you know, whatever the result, of course it's easier when they're winning, but even when it's through uh, turbulent times as we've seen in the last couple of weeks and the last couple of seasons mm. um, it's still it's still good fun and uh, yeah uh, again it's a real privilege to be able to do it every Saturday and Tuesday night yeah it's funny because even if you strictly we've, we've spoke to you know a few kind of commentators who kind of just commentate on the team and they follow them like, like yourself mm. but I mean you know strictly speaking you're not you know a fan or grew up a fan of the team but do they kind of get under your skin a little bit when you report on them week after week and you get to know people and you you know you meet the fans all the time yeah i mean you you, you almost become a fan without realizing it that's what that's what i mm. found you, you want them to do well because then obviously you can sort of be there be there with them when they do do well but obviously with every high there's god knows how many lows so i mean there's i remember being absolutely devastated when they missed out on the playoff uh, playoff semi-finals uh, back in 2019, I remember sitting there thinking, "Oh, this was." It felt like the worst thing in the world at the time, and you really felt for the fans because you because it 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 felt like it was going to happen that they were going to get promoted that season, and ultimately it wasn't to be. And then they they missed out in the um in the lottery that is the playoff places. So uh, again, you you just you just become because it's your your livelihood really, um, or my livelihood rather. Whenever anybody becomes involved with a club, uh, reporting on them from a journalistic perspective, you. Ultimately, your your life revolves around them, um, and mm. being a a big football fan and have been all my life, it's it's practically the the perfect job because you, you know, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you, you get paid to watch football and report on football, and yeah, having a front row seat at Field Mill is um is, is a, a tremendous honour. Of course, I mean from a professional point of view, you want them to bounce all the way up to the Premier League, mm. so you're travelling to the Emirates and Anfield and all yeah. that every week, don't you? But, yeah, yeah, if only. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you mentioned kind of the last few years there and kind of bumps in the road and things like that. So, I mean, just quickly kind of on, on where the club are in relation to their recent past. Um, I was looking and it was only a decade ago when they were locked out of their ground and had five successive seasons in the National League. And then John Radford bought the club and bought Phil, Field Mill back. So there was no longer a dispute on, on that front. Um, and then after promotion back to the Football League in 2013, um, they are now in their ninth uh, season in League mm. Two. Um, and they've been up and down, you know, in terms of finishes in League Two. You mentioned that kind of playoff season. But, yeah. I mean, is it fair to say that it's been a relatively kind of stable period for, for Mansfield over the last decade? Um, I mean, it's difficult to say. When, when when John Radford came in, they had um, strong ambitions to get up to the Championship and, and take uh, uh, buy back the stadium uh, and just try and make Mansfield a better well, a better club for the community, rather. And they're, they're well on the way to doing that. They've got a brand new training ground as well. They've had that open for, for a couple of years now. Um, so they've really got strong foundations, starting with John Radford through the academy and, and, and everywhere else. And um, with that, of course, they, they, they want to bring in the best players and try and get up, up the, the football pyramid because they've got, they've got the facilities to do so. And yeah, it's, it certainly feels like a, the club is on the up. I know it's difficult to say looking at the league position at the moment, but again, it's it's not all about the the league position because you can 
you know, even some of the best clubs in the world don't look don't um get reflected in the in the league table. So look at looking at where they are now. They've got Nigel Clough as their manager, who's 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 been excellent. I know he's had a bit of a tough couple of weeks of late with injuries and whatnot, but to have a man of that caliber, um, you know, managing your team, uh, looking up at this early stage of the season as well, trying to get into League One with the facilities they've got. And the players they've got, things are certainly looking looking well at the moment, especially after a win on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come on to that and the and the run before that <laughs> that led up to it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, looking at the last three or four seasons, I mean, which have been kind of interesting when you get into the kind of detail of them. You know, I think you mentioned as well, you know, some of that. But uh, twenty seventeen eighteen, uh, they just missed out the playoffs after mm-hmm. Steve Evans left in the February. Uh, following season under David Flickcroft, they were beaten in the semi-final of the playoffs by Newport, which you mentioned on, on penalties. Um, and kind of looking at the fact that they've struggled at the wrong end of the table since then, is it just an obvious outsider thing to say that that decision to change a manager at that point was a turning point? Or was there more to it than that? Um, I think it was a turning point. I think uh, not many people expected um, David Flickcroft to be dismissed um but because he'd done he'd done really well and I know that the high standards that were set and they narrowly just missed out on them ultimately um the decision was at that time for for a change um because David Flickcroft came in during the um 2017-18 season when Mansfield I think were third fourth around that time so I think I think we all thought that they were going to be sort of in and around there towards the end of the season and have a shout for the playoffs, maybe automatic promotion and then push from there. But David Flickcroft came in, identified the the problems within the squad, um, and ultimately the the yeah, the it, the season just sort of fell away and or I think they finished eighth, um, in the end. And I mean they could have finished in the top seven, but ultimately they they didn't do. But then David Flickcroft he came in and saw where the problems were, rectified those got brought some quality players in brought Tyler Walker in from uh, on loan from Forest at the time he brought in uh, like Ryan Sweeney from Stoke so two quality players Neil Bishop as well he was excellent yeah a football league veteran in in Neil Bishop and that sort of spine of the team among others um led Mansfield to well what we thought was going to be a top 3 finish um I've got to mention CJ Hamilton as well because he was absolutely outstanding in that season he, I mean the man could just walk on water or run on water at, Fast, well, fast speed. So <laughs> it, it was, it was, a, it was a great season to be a part of, and it's just such a shame that the brilliant football that was played ultimately in the end wasn't enough to get promoted and missing out on the final day. Uh, but well, by one goal, one goal would have taken up automatically, mm. and sadly it wasn't to be. And then following that, they changed the manager. They brought in, um, well, they they appointed from within. They brought John Dempster up from the academy and. Uh, unfortunately for John, it just it just didn't work um, as much as everybody wanted it to. As a former player, um, yeah, he was part of that team that got promoted back to the football league in in twenty twelve twenty thirteen. So everyone was willing him on, did brilliantly for the academy, but ultimately for for every reason it didn't work. So the change had to be made there. Graham Cochlin they brought in um, in the December of twenty nineteen, I think it was. Um, I remember being very cold standing on the field mill pitch interviewing him, uh, and and again, like it it always feels the same whenever there is a change of manager. There is that, as the football cliche goes, the new manager bounce, um, which was there when Graham Cochrane came in. Yeah, they won they won a couple of key games, and towards the end of last season, that was the season that COVID hit, of course, so we missed a couple of months of it. But 
when it was resumed again. Um, we thought Graham Coughlin had, had recruited well. It was sort of, saw some great names in there. Um, but ultimately, again, it just it, it didn't work for whatever reason. The, um, the football wasn't um, wasn't ideal. The results were even worse, and it got to um, it got to the end of October, and a change had to be made there as well. They hadn't won all season at that point, uh, up until they came up to the Stadium of Light this time last year, and yeah, and so when when you don't win for fourteen games at the start of a season, and uh, in all honesty, that the season before that the winning record wasn't that great. Um, we just thought it was going to be a transition period, really, where Graham Coughlin would bring players in and be able to turn it around. But but ultimately, uh, he, he just ran out of the uh, ran out of time. Um, wasn't getting results, and Mansfield were, were lingering. And so, yeah, obviously they brought in Nigel Clough um, a year ago this weekend, and since then. He's had obviously he's had quite a lot to contend with in in uh, on on the pitch, but hopefully now having Nigel Clough um, as your manager, giving him a little bit more time as well, and he's recruited well. The season started well, but sort of tailed off a little bit, but it's slowly getting on the right track. Hopefully now they can start to kick on, and I mean who knows maybe if they get a result tomorrow at the Stadium of Stadium of Light, and hopefully that can kickstart their season again. Yeah, but that, that that David Flickroff thing. Like I said, I was I was looking today and I was looking at the playoffs and I thought, you know, they missed out on penalties and like you say on the last day of the season they missed out on automatics. And then when he was sacked, I was kind of I was doing a bit of um, <laughs> I was doing a bit of hunting around, saying, well, there must have been another reason. Something else must have been going on. And uh, it was just and and the statement on the day from the owner was kind of yeah, kind of not good enough. Um, <laughs> You know, and I'm I'm sat there thinking, it just from the outside that just looked like such a crazy decision to get rid of David Flickroff after that playoff yeah. defeat. Yeah, I mean it's difficult to say really. I mean even in hindsight, what we now two years later, mm. it, I suppose the decision was made at that time in the wake of a very disappointing result uh, against against Newport. Um, uh, I think the the expectation was that they were going to get promoted. There was a lot of money thrown at it a lot of money spent on it there was yeah I think David Flickcroft had had a lot of good resources but ultimately there was one target in mind for the club at the time and and they didn't achieve it and they they thought right we'll we'll try we'll try another way and obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing in football and at the moment it, it feels like more steps backwards and forwards but yeah at, at that time it, it it did feel like a bit of a strange decision I thought maybe they'd sort of allow him to carry on and try and build on what he was doing there at the moment. And, he, he, you know, he was getting the best out of so many players there. It was it was incredible. And then at home, their home form was great. And I don't, I don't remember them losing a game in the league until January or February of that of that, of that season. So the, 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 the run they're on was remarkable and they were breaking records left, right and centre. And then it was just the just that finishing final couple of hurdles that they stumbled on and ultimately they fell literally right at the line. And... For that reason, I think obviously if they'd have got got up in the playoffs, then he would have kept his job. But the aim was the playoffs, and sadly, um, it, they they didn't make it. And ultimately, when you set a target and the manager doesn't reach the target, they they feel like a change needs to be made. Mm. Yeah, just just looks, especially now when you look back, it just looks uh, ruthless. But uh, but like you say, um, you know, Nigel Clough was was appointed last uh, last November, I think it was. Um, they were sitting third bottom in League Two at the time, and mm. then he took them up to a final position of 16th at the end of the season. Nigel Clough's been linked with Sunderland a couple of times. You know, he's been on the 
the betting lists a couple of times and obviously he's had good record at Burton all those years, yeah. Derby and Sheffield United and all that. So it looked like a great appointment for, for Mansfield when it happened. I mean, I remember thinking it was a really, really good, solid appointment. But uh, I mean, when he, when he took over, was he in a position where he had to rebuild? Because, I mean, we've talked about Flickroft leaving and then a couple of years of, of struggling. So with two managers in quick succession, they probably had different ideas. So did Nigel Clough have, have kind of did he have to sort all that mess out that the other two managers had tried to implement? Um, I mean, it, 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 I don't really think it was much of a mess. I think it was just, I mean, the players they had were good quality players on paper. Um, I mean, at the time they had Andy Cook, Nicky Maynard. Uh, who else did they have? They had the likes of you know, George Maris, Ollie Clark, James Perch, Marriott Steck in goal, two-time promotion winner, of course, with, with Luton. So. They had a lot of decent players there at that level. And I think Nigel's job when he first arrived, of course, was to steady the ship and get a win. That was the main aim, really, to stop the horrible rot that they were on. And once they um, you know, once they got that win, you know, and sort of see what followed. And he, he just he kept it kept it simple, just went back to a 4-4-2, tried, and, uh, tried a few new things. Because ultimately, when you, when a new manager comes in, you're sort of given a little bit of leeway, really, trying new things out. Um you know, get a feel for the team, see which players you still want to keep in the summer and which ones you, you don't really fancy. And, and you sort of start to see that um, towards the end of sort of December and January. He had the play, he had players that he knew he, he wasn't going to keep in the summer and tried to offload them either in the January or the following summer. Trying to keep the wage bill down as well because he, he said in his interview that he wants to um, use the... Uh, the club's money as if it's, uh, if it's his own money, which is, you know, mm. which is great. Um, and ultimately, he wanted to get, like I said, better players for less money, players that work hard and play, and play to his style. So I think it was just a, a transitional process. When he first arrived, he was getting the best out of some of these players. Um, in fact, he was getting the best out of quite a few players in the end. I think they won five, they won five games in a row between January and February, uh, which was great. Um, then they went on a bit of a, a barren spell where they couldn't get a win. But then slowly, towards the end of the season... Um, that I think they won like three, three or four games. Um, you know, lost a couple, but they did have a, a a better spell towards the end of the season. And it's a shame the season ended when it did because they looked like they were going to start to put a decent run together. But ultimately, the main aim was get them safe, get them, uh, get the foundations in for next season, and build from there, which is uh, what he's in the process of doing. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I was I was looking down the list of um, old you know former Mansfield Town managers and. I, I forgot about some of the players who you had as managers over the years. You know, Keith Curl, Carlton Palmer, Peter Shirtlift, yeah, David Holdsworth, Paul Holland. It was like uh, a who's who from an old uh, championship manager. Some, yeah, some great yeah. names there. It's but, a hall uh, of fame, isn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, he's uh, he was kind of we're talking about kind of getting his own players in, and in the summer he brought the likes of Stephen Quinn from from Burton on a mm. on a free transfer. A lot of experience there, you know, Sheffield United back in the day. Um, Oliver Hawkins, who Sunderland have come up against, uh, you know, with Portsmouth and Ipswich over the last two or three years. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Bishop, young goalkeeper and loan from from Manchester United. Um, I mean, quite quite a few more on the list. But uh, was Nigel Clough happy with what he was able to get done in the summer? Yeah, I think so. Um, when he he got a lot of his business done early, uh, like you say, bringing in Danny Johnson, Ollie Hawkins, Reese Oates as well. I think that was one thing he wanted to strengthen was the forward line uh, to try and you know get goal scorers in so that when they do create chances and they will create chances um there's somebody there to knock them in the back of the net uh, which is why he brought in 
you know, six foot six, Ollie Hawkins, who's dangerous in both boxes there. Danny Johnson, 20 goals last season for Orient, gets goals out of nothing really. Reese Oates was a bit of a almost an unknown entity, really. We knew he did well at Hartlepool, but in terms of playing in the Football League, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't entirely sure, but obviously the proof is in the pudding. He's, you know, he scored. Scored one and made uh, made the other on on Saturday and had the game of his life against Tranmere. So um, he, he's got plenty of pace and he's a, he's a real asset to them now. And uh, looking at the midfield, didn't make too many changes to the midfield. He brought um, Stephen Quinn in uh, permanently uh, from Burton, which is it's great. Uh, we've not seen the best of him because he's been suspended for six games. But now that he's back, that's sort of slowly looking like the team that they were at the start of the season. I suppose that the the main area of concern. Um, uh, was and still is the the defense and they've had to sort of patch it up with whatever they can find really they've even put Ollie Hawkins there a couple of times in recent weeks uh, James Perch out for the season with a with a fractured skull a, a freak injury in training which I mean that's just extremely unlucky to lose arguably one of your best players if not your best player um, you know to lose him in that manner is just it's just awful and uh, I hope that he when he does come, if he does come back, that he's still got a couple of years in him still. Um, but yeah, I think that the main concern was just trying to patch up where the injuries and suspensions left them, well, decimated at the back at times. Um, and now they are getting players back, they can move forward. But uh, yeah, it just felt like a, a. I mean, football's got a funny way of kicking you when you're down and. Every time we got a team, every time we got the team sheet up to the press box, you're looking at who who's missing, and then it's two more, and then one comes back, and then one's picked up in fifth yellow card, so they're suspended, and then they're, yeah, they're 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 a doubt, and you just think, and you look at other teams, you think they never seem to have these problems, um, but of course they do, but it just didn't feel like at that scale. So I think now now is a good time because they're getting the players back, um, and hopefully the injury woes and the horrible hoodoo that they're under is, is finally over and they can finally push on and, and get some results. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like I said, we've been we've been hinting at the you know, obviously the season Mansfield have had so far, which we'll kinda of come on to um in in a minute in a bit more detail. But uh, I mean coming into the season because they've had that strange time over the last kind of four or five years, I mean were, were Mansfield fans just hoping for a season of finishing in the safety of mid table or were they kind of thinking, well, this is now to close first full season and it kind of raised the expectation a bit? I mean, I think uh, the, the expectation was um, top seven, looking at the players that they've got. Um, but I think any any season that wasn't as bad as the season just gone is is progress. I think the Mansfield Town fans are very, very patient with, with their club um, a, lot of the, a lot of the time. And uh, so long as you see that the players are trying and they're putting the effort in and they can see that in the performances, then... Then they're, then they're okay but um, in terms of the expectation of the league position this season I mean it's still early days of course but I, th- I think yeah, top top 10 top yeah, 7, 8th or ninth will be progress and then from then they can build again it's uh, as the changing managers um, has, hasn't really worked as, as we know as we now know um, so I think now it's just all about slow and steady progress you look at managers like Mike Flynn, ex-Newport County, who picked up Newport, of course, when they were down towards the bottom and then you know, got them to several playoff place finishes. Ultimately, didn't make it in the end, but he's now a, you know, a Welsh hero um, over there now. And uh, yeah, because, because, of his, because of how well he did with, with Newport and what have you, and, and various other managers as well. Look at Mark, Mark Cooper, now Barrow for Forest Green. He was there for years and you know, slowly guided them up 
sort of built on it season upon season, window on window. Um, so I think that's probably the avenue they're going to have to go down. It's just going to have to be slow and steady progress. But Mansfield fans know that. They know it's not going to, they're not just going to wake up one day and be in the top three. It'd be great if they did. But um, <laughs> yeah, ultimately, the, um, yeah, it's, it, you, can't, you can't buy a, a promotion, sadly. Um, you just have to work, work at it and hope that um, luck is on your side as well. Yeah, I think that last sentence. I think uh, a lot of Sunderland fans will uh, know exactly what you're talking about there. We've, yeah, uh, we've had trouble with that, mm. but um, but yeah, I mean, like like you say, I mean, just for kind of the the Sunderland fans who might not know it in detail. I mean, the season got underway. Mansfield seemed to come flying out the blocks. They won two and uh, drew one of the first three games. Then it then it went a bit wrong mm. um, with a run of twelve without a win. That had uh, five draws in there. Um, until they beat Tranmere Rovers last weekend uh, to stop the rot. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty bad run, 12 without a win. And you've just said there that, you know, the the, the owners have a recent history of firing managers pretty, pretty quickly. Um, obviously, Nigel Clough's a bigger name, I think, than those managers that they had previously. But do you think the owners were, were getting a bit twitchy when it, came, when it was getting to kind of 12 without a win? Um, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for the owners, of course, but... In any, in a, well, in any business, if you're not getting the results that that your you know um, uh, managers want, then obviously change has to be made or a decision has to be made. But I think there was a lot of sympathy towards um, Nigel Clough and his staff because of the horrible injury crisis that are on. And I think the first two games against uh, Bristol Rovers and Newport County that they showed that they can get those results and they can win those games so long as they've got all the key ingredients on the pitch. Uh, so the likes of a James Perch and a Stephen Quinn and a, you know, an, an, an informed Danny Johnson, obviously they're, um, they're three key players in, in the team. And unfortunately, obviously losing James Perch so early on in the season, I think we all thought it was going to be out for a couple of weeks, maybe with with concussion and then back. But to lose him for a whole season was a big blow. And and up, up until fairly recently, they never really recovered. Um, and I think they're... I think that sort of helped uh, a little bit for the for the uh, for the board to understand the si- the situation that Mansfield are in. Uh, I mean, at one stage they were in the bottom two. Uh, prior to this weekend, they were in the bottom two, and I think when when you look at that and you look at other teams around the country who are, who are in a similar position and they're sacking their managers, I think um, what's great about Mansfield is that they could they could they could see why they were where they were, and they know what they knew what they needed to do to rectify that. They just I know it sounds simple, but they need to get their key players back. Mm-hmm. And when they are back, like we saw on Saturday, the performance improves and they get a result out of it. So, uh, I mean, I mean, Nigel Clough, he's been in the industry for well, for fifty odd years now. He's you know he's, he's a footballing veteran as a player and as a manager. So he he knew, or he knows more than more than anybody the pressure that he was under. Um, I, I believe um, we were talking about uh, the Sunderland game. Going into uh, I can't remember which game it was now, but we were talking. I think it was just after the draw for for the first round, and we were talking about that. And he and he jokingly said, "If I'm if I make it that far." So even then, tongue in cheek, he he knew he was he knew he was under pressure. He knows the game well enough now to know that if you don't win for twelve thirteen games, then the you know the the finger could well be on the trigger. But I, I think what like I said before, what what benefited him and and the and the team was that the performances mostly were there I, I can only think of maybe one or two bad performances where they didn't deserve to get anything from the game and a lot of it a lot of it was bad luck in that run there was a goal at Swindon that should have stood that that they say didn't cross the line where we're pretty certain it did 
late penalty at Colchester that wasn't a penalty, various other decisions as well that, that just didn't go their way. And so that, combined with injuries and suspensions, um, it just made a horrible cocktail of misfortune. And, and, and yeah, and obviously that's why Mansfield were where they were. Um, but hopefully now that that's all out of the way, they can push on now. And, and we've seen it in many a season down the years. Once you get one win... You get you can get a couple more, three, four more in a row, possibly. It's not impossible. Um and they could be back up towards, I don't know, eighth, ninth in the league and in touching distance of the playoffs. So I think had they been in that position towards, I don't know, March, April, then it would have been very different. But thankfully we're still in well, November and yeah, still a long way to go yet. Yeah. yeah, you were talking about Nigel Clough's experience in the game. I mean, good when when you think with his dad, he's probably been in the game since he was knee high, hasn't he? Really? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, but uh, Saturday's game. I mean, as we've said, after a run of twelve without a win, huge win against Tranmere. Mm. I read a report of the Tranmere game, um, and some of your social media comments as well. I was looking at when you covered that win, and it seemed to me just that it was a really impressive performance and. I was when I was reading all this stuff, it just gave me the impression that they were just gonna that, that they were kind of turning a corner in that result. Yeah, it felt like it. Um, it, it felt like it was coming as well. I think the the Port Vale game and and even in some of the Exeter game, that those sort of three performances there were were, were very good. Um, and to only get one point out of six from well, sorry, one uh, what was it four points out of nine? Um, now is um, yeah, they, they probably could have done with with a couple more. They probably should have beaten Port Vale with the quality that they had and and to do it against a, a, a top level um League Two side like Tranmere, like Port Vale as well, to play as well as they did against them, it just shows they can compete at that level with the players that they've got. But I think just getting that win and the clean sheet as well, that all important clean sheet, it, it felt like they turned a corner and it's almost as if like the, the final piece of the jigsaw was there. But Obviously, now they need to build on that, and it 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 probably came at the perfect time as well, going into an FA Cup weekend, and they've got the EFL Trophy on the on the Tuesday as well against Newcastle, so they've got a bit of a break from the league now, and they've got a good run of games coming up um, against the likes of Stevenage and Scunthorpe, who are who are both struggling a little bit, uh, or Scunthorpe especially are struggling. Um, so two big opportunities there to build on what they did against Tranmere, and keep that momentum going, turn that corner. And then from there, they can start to look up and try and see their next target, which is probably mid-table, and then see where they are in uh, sort of Christmas, New Year time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, thinking about the FA Cup tie on Saturday, um, because, I mean, from my point of view, with the run Sunderland are on at the moment, I, I'm completely split on whether or not it's good timing for Sunderland to take a break from the league or, you know, <laughs> that, you know, do we need a break? Do we want to get back into it because we're on a bad run etc but uh, but how are Mansfield fans looking looking at the tie do they I mean obviously you know it, it's probably a a good trip up to, to Sunderland maybe to you know get tickets and, and go to that game but do they see it as a distraction after getting back to winning ways on Saturday that they have to play in the FA Cup um, poss- possibly yeah I think I mean I think an away day like that particularly for Mansfield doesn't come around that often I think they're just going to go up and enjoy it Particularly as well as they didn't get to last season, uh, as I touched on at the start uh, of the podcast, they were um, um, when the draw was made for last season, and I saw it was Sunderland away. My first thought was, oh, like, I mean, I was delighted that I was going to be able to go to the Stadium of Light, but of course, I was of course disappointed at the fact that, I mean, Mansfield fans would have travelled in numbers up to there. Well, they are uh, this weekend, so 
Uh, I think they're just excited for for a, a stadium that a lot of fans might not have been to um, to enjoy themselves and, and particularly with Sunderland on, on the run that they're on at, at the moment. That they want their team to go and have a crack uh, like they did last season and, and hopefully come away with something which obviously doesn't bode well for the Sunderland podcast viewers. Um, apologies, but you know it's uh, it's it's the FA Cup and they're still there's still magic in it. They, they dream of that glamour third tie. Uh, been close to playing Man City a couple of times in recent seasons. Uh, it's just getting over that that hurdle in the um in the second or third round. Um, but I think I think yeah I think that they'll be looking at it thinking right we've we've got our win now we've got some of our best players back let's go and have a go and have a pop at Sunderland and, and see what they can do I know you're sort of battling on three fronts particularly in the League Cup and, and of course the League mm-hmm. and an FA Cup still um, so yeah I think I think they they're just excited to get up there taking a game make a day of it if they win then great we're in the second round if they lose okay we had a great day out at the Stadium of Light but now we can focus on the league campaign. So it's yeah. it's a win-win, really. I think the pressure is off slightly. Yeah, I was going to say, because, um, well, came up last season, we talked about the game last season, obviously Mansfield won that 1-0, which we've said again was, was behind closed doors. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know if that has an impact, actually, but how do you think Nigel Clough will approach the game? I think you've just mentioned there in terms of the fans thinking, yeah, it's just a, it's just a free eight, we'll have a good day. Will Nigel Clough be thinking... Actually, Sunderland, Sunderland are in a bit of a run of bad form. We we can have a go at these. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a bit of both, really. I think he he knows that the pressure is is well the the onus is on uh, is on Sunderland to win that game. Of course, you know, like you mentioned there, you're not in great form, and it's it's a big opportunity to sort of turn things around a bit, even if it is in the uh, even if it is in the FA Cup. But um, I think Nigel Clough will approach it. He's not he's not going to take too many risks with it. it obviously the main focus now is turning the league form around but if they can go up to Sunderland put a decent team out and put a good display on again even if they don't get the resort as long as the performance is really good and something they can use for the coming get uh, upcoming games in the league then then I think that's I think it'll be a bonus I mean if you go up there and uh, if Mansfield go up there on Saturday and play really well and narrowly lose 1-0 that's I know disappointing as the result is if they play really well, they can build on that and say, right, we can compete with the top League One side, which have got championship quality players. You know, let's take this form, in, let's take this performance into the league and 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 try and implement it on, on teams of lesser quality. So yeah, I think that the main focus for Nigel is to, uh, well, I mean, he knows this. He mentioned it in his press conferences. Go up there, give them a good go, do the best. Might be able to come away with the result, but if you don't, it's not the absolute worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I noticed in that press conference he actually said that he was gonna pretty much go with as strong a side as he as he could put out, mm. you know, without risking players' fitnesses and, and, and things like that. So it sounded to me like he was gonna have a go. And um I mean I was looking at the obviously the, the players who kinda of could be the potential kind of dangers to, to Sunderland and I saw uh Danny Johnson uh mm. four goals this this season. I mean, is he the obvious player Sunderland are gonna be looking out for on Saturday? Um is one of them, yeah. Um but I think uh, your main, your main man to keep an eye on is probably Ollie Hawkins. Um, because uh, I'll be honest, I don't really know where he's going to play. Uh, because it, it was brought in as a striker, a six foot six target man, as it were, to link up with Johnson. But of course, Mansfield's defensive woes uh, and injury worries, as they were, um, they had to put Hawkins at the back. But again, he's still dangerous in, well, in both boxes really. So I think you know, the the main aim, of course, Sunderland will know a little bit about him from his days at Ipswich, but. Um, he's obviously one to look 
keep keep an eye on sort of thing. Um, again, very good in the air. I suppose you should be at six foot six, but um, you look at the quality that they've got in the midfield. That midfield diamond that they're playing as well. George Maris sitting at that top of the diamond. He's absolutely superb. He makes a real difference to the the way Mansfield play. Gets the ball on the floor, and as soon as the the ball's at his feet, he's looking up left or right or through the middle, and plays some superb passes. Stephen Quinn again. We've touched on him earlier. Um, championship player did brilliantly with Sheffield um, uh, Sheffield United and uh, Hull City Burton Albion and even though he's 35 he still plays like he's 25 he's yeah and, and you could tell he was a massive miss so again he'll be right up for it as well um, yeah he, he'll have had a few uh, encounters at the Stadium of Light down the years um, so yeah I mean there's a couple of key players that Sunderland want to keep an eye on but uh, George Lapsey as well of course the goal scorer from the, the game last season uh, nearly forgot about him uh, again He's just finding form now and he's he's enjoying his football. He didn't quite start the season as he would have liked, but ultimately he's uh, slowly enjoying his football again and he, he's obviously very keen to to uh, keen to impress and to to you know, improve this season. So there's plenty of good quality Mansfield Town players in there that, that Sunderland should certainly be wary of. Yeah, you're starting to get me worried with, uh, with the form <laughs> we're in going through, going through it like yeah, that. I mean, but, our form's uh, not much better, uh, I'll be honest. It's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, know, at least there's a at least there's a win in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. But uh, but yeah, I think it's it's going to be um, an interesting tie considering the form we're in and you're up after the weekend. But uh, but are you travelling up for the game? Are you covering that? Yeah, yeah, I'll be covering it um, on on Radio Nottingham. So it's um, I think for us to play in Preston at home um, in that game. Uh, but we only do updates on on Mansfield Town um, just because we, we don't have the broadcast rights to do full commentary at the moment. So uh, yeah, uh, we, we sort of do, I commentate off stream and then uh, we use the highlights and, and what have you for, for our social media and, and everything else in between. And we, we I sort of almost like final score and five live sort of report into the programme. So, um, so I'll definitely be there. Um, I'm looking forward to getting up there like I said at the start of the show, um, start of the program, it's a great stadium to go to. Uh, it looked very eerie um, last season when it was empty, mm. uh, which was very strange. And you kind of thought an opportunity like this might not come again for for a while, but thankfully it has. I mean, I've I've not been to the stadium of like when it's you know full or or, or even on a match day. So um, I'm very excited to see what what the atmosphere is going to be like, how that will affect the game. I think there's uh, a thousand or fifteen hundred Mansfield Town fans who have bought tickets already as we speak. So, again, it's just going to make for a really, really good game of football. Well, well, thanks for that, uh, Jake. You've got me really, really worried and concerned about because oh. uh, because I, I, I was trying, I was thinking when I said I couldn't decide whether it was a distraction. I'll probably be able to tell you after the result. You know, mm. if we get beat, it, it was something we didn't need and if we win well there you go it was a good distraction to sure. maybe get our head back in the game hope you enjoy your, your trip up to Sunderland going off last year it's anybody's tie you know what the FA Cup's like but yeah on that note of um, me being terrified about the result <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you very much Jake uh, really enjoyed the chance to catch up and, oh, my uh, pleasure. hope you enjoy your weekend thank you thank you very much for having me on and uh, yeah here's to, a, here's to a good game on Saturday yeah well, yeah, I'm, I'm so scared now but, uh, but thanks again for your time Jake appreciate it top man cheers Chris and, and thanks again everyone for listening uh, keep a look out at, at Roker Report for all the build up ahead of the game on Saturday and uh, keep an eye out on all the usual places for the next podcast that should be dropping very soon but from us it's bye for now
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.